Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Outcomes Rocket listeners, welcome back once again to the Outcomes Rocket podcast, where we chat with today's most inspiring and successful healthcare leaders. Really want to thank you for tuning in again, and I invite you to go to outcomesrocket.com slash reviews. Leave us a rating and review. We'd love to hear from our listeners. Let us know what your thoughts are on today's episode or anything that you listen to. Outcomesrocket.com slash reviews. Without further ado, I want to introduce our outstanding guest today. His name's Brian DeVore. He's a health innovator, strategist, entrepreneur, and user design leader. His focus is the consumer, the patient, and he is here to discuss that today. And so he's the co-founder and CEO at SIFT. Well, he's been a member at the Oregon Health Policy Board, Director of Strategy and Ecosystems at Intel, and his, his experience it has been in healthcare for quite some time. So really excited to introduce this amazing guest. Brian, welcome to the podcast. Great. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. And, and so today, Brian, we're going to dive into this topic of, of healthcare consumerism. But I did want to ask you, what made you decide to get into the medical sector to begin with? Uh, I came into the medical sector in sort of a really weird way. It was back in the 90s when we all moved to the uh, consumer-directed health plans. I'm a banker by training. I worked on Wall Street for years, so uh, investment banking was really where I was trained. And uh, in the 90s, as you remember, the consumer-directed health plans kind of took off, and uh, I joined and helped start a company in Portland that was focused on setting these things up called health accounts, which ended up being health savings accounts. They weren't actually money you could keep back then because it was owned by the the company, but it was uh, giving consumers some money to have some skin in the game. And uh, that's kind of when I made the switch back in the late 90s to, again, set up these accounts and went out and talked to a lot of the banks, uh, the Wells Fargo's of the world, and they were like, what are these things? Never heard of them. Don't know what they are. Why would we want to be in healthcare? And of course, now you've got to focus uh, a lot of these large institutions that are involved in healthcare. So that's kind of how I got into healthcare. They've had multiple roles, and again, most of it's always been on behalf of the consumer or the user of healthcare to drive you know better value at a lower cost, at least uh, engagement in multiple ways, whether it's a personal health record or buying care at Intel on behalf of our members or the employees, and really you know really trying to insert innovation into a market that's ripe for innovation on the diagnostic and treatment side, but pretty archaic when you go and just do the blocking and tackling and every other uh, vertical has been uh, working in, whether it's retail travel, um, you name it, banking, they've all gone and, and realized that consumers are pretty powerful person in healthcare hasn't quite figured that out yet. Hey, you know, as leaders begin to think about the healthcare consumer, there's obviously, and we had a chat before this, um, you know, there's there's the consumer, which is, who is the consumer? It's the, the person receiving services. Is it the payer? Is it, you know, who is it? And so, as leaders look and tackle this issue of healthcare consumerism, what insights would you give them on this, Brian? Well, again, I think there's been a big focus on the patient. And you have to realize the patient is not the consumer, not yet. The consumer either is, is, is somebody who's thinking about using healthcare or hasn't used healthcare. And some are both a consumer and a patient. But there's a lot of folks in this country that don't really consume a lot of care and they don't engage the system very often. And yet we're designing these sort of systems for people that we expect to be overjoyed with the fact that they actually have to engage with their doctor, with the hospital, or with an emergency room, or with an ambulance. And the truth is, it's sort of a weird market. You have a 
sort of a, a non-willing consumer in healthcare. I can't, I was telling someone the other day, if you were to bump into an 85-year-old man and ask him, have you ever been to a hospital or a doctor? And if he said no, would you say to him, that's really a disappointing to hear that. You haven't had a chance to engage our wonderful healthcare system. And, uh, you know, you'd say, that's fantastic. I can't believe you're <laughs> healthy and well. And so when you ask people, do you think about your health? How often do you really enjoy going to the doctor? Do you, is that something that you look forward to? The answer is no. And so I think we've built sort of this model of care, a model of engagement around a patient who's already in the system. And again, the company that I created was built around engaging them well before that. So finding out what sort of expectations are, what makes them tick. Uh, there's six inches between the space of their ears, and that's where a lot of healthcare consumption is driven. And it's driven by mindset, opinions, beliefs, values, expectations. And we don't know that. And no one's really uncovering that. It's sort of an unhidden gem. And if you can begin to call that out by engaging someone before they ever begin to get care, there's a lot of downstream savings you can drive just by knowing how people are sort of wired and what they do want, what they don't want, what they believe in, what they don't believe in. So other, well, again, other verticals have done this. And there's reasons why you get postcards from BMW or postcards from Toyota. There's reasons why you check into a hotel. They know that you want the third floor with foam pillows and the king size bed. They've uncovered those sort of beliefs and desires ahead of time. So what you do and don't want, you want an early wake up call, you don't. And some of that's because they asked you, and, and a lot of it's because they've actually observed or bought data from other companies to sort of learn how you behave. So, again, I think we just need to, to clearly understand that a consumer in healthcare, typically an unwilling consumer, and we need to do things to engage them in the ways that other industries have done without drawing them into the, the, the morass of healthcare. Because honestly, I don't think folks really want to think about their health. They can yeah. think about 15 other things today that are more important to them. I think that's a great call out, Brian. And for us to get specific, maybe you could dive into uh, a company or a client or somebody that you've worked with that's doing things differently and creating outcomes because of it. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll go back to Intel and I can't speak for Intel, uh, what they're currently doing. But when I was there, I think what we did take time to do, which took time and delayed the project a little bit, which was important, is we actually went out and hired ethnographers. And those are people that study human behavior and not just to the tool of observation. And that was really uh, telling to me because a lot of the beliefs I had on how people do things and what they really want was based upon what surveys told us or what people would vocalize. But sometimes the vocalization of concerns, troubles, desires, they often will offer proxies. So they don't really know how to solve the problem themselves. And so they'll ask for a proxy because that's really all they can think of is how to solve that problem. Uh, and it can be in a variety of ways. It doesn't be healthcare. It could be work-life balance. It could be in elder care. It could be in uh, how you get paid. There's a lot of things that people say they want because they don't really know how to verbalize what they really do want. And Intel actually went out and hired a firm because we obviously couldn't do it with our own employees, but we hired a firm to actually come and observe how our population interacted with the healthcare system. So they might say they use an online service like WebMD to get their health information. The truth is that they probably don't. Uh, they probably ask their next door neighbor uh, where to get their health information. And they probably don't use the doctor chooser tools that are out there. They probably walk again next door to their neighbor and ask about the knee surgery that he had and the surgeon he had and did he, did he like him? Was it you know, did he heal okay? Was the treatment good? That's how people make these healthcare decisions. It's relationship-based, despite the fact that we'd like people to pick the five-star hospitals. They just do not consume that way. And so 
by observing that, you end up building up solutions that are built upon what people do and what they really want, not what they actually say they want. And again, you can only really gather that through observation. And that was something that has gone into not just the tools that I built for my own company, but a lot of the consulting I've done for other large employers, making sure they understand their population through observation and not just through surveys, because that's you're going to be missing some nuggets. So that's yeah. be an example that I'd point to. That's an interesting point. And how many of us put higher ethnographers to figure out what consumers are actually doing versus just telling us? And um, yeah, I mean, I think that's a really interesting way of approaching the situation. It's definitely one way to just dive deeper and even validate, you know, the things that you've heard. Are you seeing the things that you heard or the responses that patients and consumers are, are actually giving to you? I think that's great. I think that's a really good call out. And based off of these uh, particular steps here, Brian, have you seen any type of improvements in outcomes for any of the people you've worked with? Well, there's good, good data to show that people will get better and typically have better personal health if they are engaging either a trusted provider or a trusted system, one that they believe is has their best interests in, in mind. And that's, that data is out there and, and it's not anecdotal. It's just, it's out there and you can sort of pull it off the web. So it's built on trust. So if you can, anything you can do to enhance trust and heighten trust is going to obviously, we think, drive better behavior. I think it drives, uh, trust drives lower downstream utilization because folks don't believe that they're, the system is somehow designed or rigged against them. Because they really do believe that. They believe the healthcare system is somehow, the payers are not listing providers because they're, too expensive and they believe that the insurance company is somehow in it just for the money and the doctors are doing it just to drive more income. And so that's why, you know, the U S opinion of the, of the system is so poor. So again, if we can enhance trust by uncovering those sort of beliefs and expectations and values, I think we, the data shows that once you engage with your doctor in, in a more mutually rewarding relationship, you will do better. You will take your medication because the doctor actually found out ahead of time, you don't like med- you don't like certain medications because they make you feel dizzy or whatever. And, and sometimes those questions are never asked. A lot of assumptions happen in healthcare. So the tool that we built, you know, worked really well. It's not designed to be the end-all, be-all tool, but it does uncover some of those beliefs. And passing that information on to the care team, whether it's an ACO, which is responsible for the total cost, or even on a fee-for-service model, once you sort of understand what's making people tick, you don't try to push people in directions they don't want to go. And uh, again, getting somebody aligned to a primary care doctor, mental health, whatever it might be, it's got uh, an aligned mindset, aligned expectations, aligned values. The data is pretty strong to show that that's results in better care. Oh, that's pretty cool. And, and so with the tool that you and your team built, Brian, over at SIFT, that's S-I-F-F-T, you guys help put together this information so that when the patient actually gets to where they're going to get care, they have, the provider has a more complete picture of the patient. Is that correct? Yeah, it's not clinical though. They'll uncover those clinical things through observation, through, you know, history and physical, those kind of things, through testing. We're uncovering, again, those soft science, the psychographic questions that nobody's really gathering. Again, every other industry wants to uncover, why do you drive fast? Do you drive slow? I mean, those are things that once they figure it out, they're going to market one kind of car to you versus a different kind of car. We, ha- we don't do that in healthcare. And it's just about, you know, anywhere from a 25 to 30% thrash every year of people going to doctors that they find out aren't aligned or they don't like, just don't agree with. Sometimes it's, ex- it's experience. And a lot of it's just, we just didn't seem to gel, you know, just 
seems mm. like we were on different wavelengths. And so this is designed to uncover some of those questions about your opinion of healthcare, specifically to the, what you're looking for. An example that I use is, you know, pediatrics. If you're looking for a pediatrician for your kids, a great question to ask as we talk to pediatricians is, do you believe in vaccinations? Yes or no? If you say, I do not want vaccinations, why on earth would I send you to somebody who's pro-vaccination? You're just going to get frustrated and have arguments from the get-go, and that's not a trusting relationship. That's going to cause friction, and you're just going to leave. Yeah. You know, with the question around uh, antibiotics, are you a parent that just wants antibiotics for your kid right off the bat, or you want somebody who wants to wait and see? Because those are the questions what we try to uncover in this tool is those questions that drive either somebody further away from a certain provider or toward a certain provider. And ideally, um, again, the, I, the genesis of this tool came from when I was at Intel. We were asking the system to do a much better job of intaking our members. And the tools really are pretty poor. It's sort of like, you know, if you trusted the directories and the, how you find a doctor once you sort of choose your insurance, if you trusted them to get a date, but those tools became dating engines like Match.com. You'd never find anybody where you're located, right? They'd give you 7,000 men or women in your zip code that you can go choose from. That doesn't help. Mm -hmm. It overwhelms people. When you overwhelm people, you, they shut down and they won't go do anything. And so we tried to use teachable moments when people actually are choosing something. Either they have to pick an insurance plan or they have to go find care because they're sick. Those are teachable moments. So the tools are cool. designed to sort of uncover those things. So it's it's really sort of those weird, soft questions that people um, often don't even think about asking ahead of time. But once they sort of get in the process, most doctors do uncover these questions, but it takes you know, a year, a year and a half. And then they, in the meantime, the patient's unhappy and they're frustrated because the patient isn't following their protocol they've asked for. They can't figure out why the person will not take their drugs. And they never actually took the time to ask the patient, do you even want drugs? Like, are you, are you a drug person or not a drug person? Because if you're not a drug person, that's me. Why would I go to somebody who's like, here, just take drugs or take this prescription? We're just going to have this really weird relationship where I don't know if I trust him because he's just giving me stuff I never really wanted in the first place. So often patients won't verbalize that. They're, they're afraid to challenge a doctor or challenge a provider. And so we ask that question too. Are you willing to challenge a provider? Are you willing to stand up sort of for what you believe in and, and not go toe to toe, but challenge what the diagnosis and the treatment is? And, and some doctors appreciate that and some really don't like that. So I get it. Yeah. That's... Get you again. Interesting. Yeah, to align you with somebody you can have better trust with. That's really the goal. No, I think it's a really good idea. So can you give an example to the listeners of how this has helped, you know, some of your users improve outcomes? Well, I mean, one of the examples we led to is uh, around adult medicine, internal medicine. We know that if uh, older patients, especially, we have one example where a lady was looking for her mother who did not want to take medication. It made her dizzy and she was uh, very much into natural medicine and vitamins and, um, just frustrated with her current doctor because he kept handing her packets of different uh, prescriptions. That, and, and so what ended up happening was she just stopped going to the doctor because she didn't feel like really he was really listening to her. So we, they used the tool. And again, it's not a consumer tool. It's designed for health systems and plans to deploy. But in the current testing we did in the open market for the consumer, the, the patient basically emailed back and said, my mom finally found somebody that she really liked. This doctor's totally into vitamins, totally into alternative medicine. And they really feel like she's, you know, she found someone that she's listening to or, and, and listening uh, alongside the patient. And uh, we now have somebody, we, now we have an engaged patient instead of somebody who's, who's not engaged. So the challenge is it's, it's the, the sort of the weird application of this. this is not rocket science. These are questions that most care providers or care teams should be asking their patients anyway. Some do, most don't. Too cumbersome. And yet, once you're sort of in the system, they ask you about your blood pressure and they ask you everything about your physical health and sometimes your mental health but not often about what you really want 
what kind of care you do want. And we are seeing some of this stuff happen end of life care. So folks are starting to ask those questions, those really weird, odd questions about do you want to be sustained uh, if you are not top or you know not alive or you're sort of uh, on death's door and so those similar questions. So what what do you want? What are your expectations? And um, it's a new science. It's not new to the world, but it's new to healthcare. And so that would be an example where we, we know we help the consumer get better care because they were much more aligned to uh, who was treating them. Love it. That's a great example, Brian. Let's pretend you and I are going to build a leadership course in medicine on what it takes to be successful today. It's the 101 course or the ABCs of Brian DeVore. And so we've got four questions here, lightning round style, and then we're going to finish with a book that you recommend to the listeners. You ready? Yeah. Well, now I got to think of a book really quickly because I read a lot. <laughs> so I think it doesn't have to be a healthcare book. I guess, it doesn't have to be. It could be any book you want and this syllabus. Okay. All right. So here's question one. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? Measure what really matters. What is the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? Measuring what doesn't matter. Too easy to do the uh, to measure what doesn't matter. Indeed. Indeed. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? Understand the market. Constantly look for ways of innovating internally. What is one area of focus that should drive everything else in your organization? Reduction of errors, understanding the consumer again, and uh, eliminating waste. Sort of you know, be lean wherever you are and uh, look to improve whatever process you're in charge of. And finally, Brian, what book would you recommend to the listeners? Well, I just finished reading it, so I'll recommend that one because I really, really liked it. It was Shoe Dog, which is a film nice biography of how he started Nike. Great oh, examples of something that uh, I live in Portland. I thought I knew the story of Nike pretty well, and I didn't really know how long it actually took and how close they were to going belly up on a number of occasions. So it's a great, great example of perseverance, understanding the market, taking risk, being willing to blow yourself up go out of business potentially for the benefit of the consumer. Love it. Listeners, take that book down. And if you don't have a pen or you're driving, just go to outcomesrocket.com slash Brian D. That's B-R-I-A-N-D is in divorce. And you'll be able to find all of the show notes in the things that we discussed today, as well as the syllabus that we constructed for you, along with the link to that book he just shared. Brian, Time flies when you're having fun. But before we conclude, I'd love for you to just share a closing thought with the listeners and the best place where they could get in touch with you. Closing thought with your listeners, getting involved in healthcare is more complicated than it sounds. Be careful of those who believe they have a silver bullet because I haven't seen one yet. It's pretty complicated. And uh, I think we as a society need to come to a conclusion, have a larger discussion as to what exactly, what kind of system do we want to design? Right now, it's pretty polarized. Other countries have done this. I think we have to do the same thing contact. You can email me at brian at ghostift.com. It's B-R-I-A-N at G-O-S-I-F-F as in Frank T.com. And uh, I'll get back to you. Awesome. Brian, really appreciate you sharing your thoughts today. It, it's definitely an environment that we want to spend some more time thinking about is just how we take care of this healthcare consumer. And I'm sure your insights will definitely help the listeners reframe things in a new way. So just want to say a big thanks to you and looking forward to staying in touch. Sure, you bet. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more. 